We're starting a new series today. Ooh. Ooh, it's like that advert, isn't it, for that swipe thing? Ooh. I, couldn't, I couldn't possibly keep it going as long. It's ridiculous. To your advantage, press the right button. Jesus says to the disciples, it's recorded for us in John 16, 7, and he says this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. This whole series is really built upon this idea, this understanding that God recognised it was more important for him to be in us and with us than here in person in one location. It's to your advantage that I go. Now very often we have these sort of questions. What would you, what would you ask Jesus if you were able to meet with him? What would it look like if Jesus walked in the room and was here? <clears throat> what Jesus is saying is, I am. I'm with you by my spirit and I'm present. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with you. So we want to explore over the next six weeks, we've got a, a middle week of prayer, but over the next six weeks running up to Christmas, what this idea is, what this concept is of it being our advantage because often when we read the Gospels, we look back and think, wouldn't it be incredible to be with Jesus in some of those settings? But what he's saying to us is, that was incredible, but do you know what? It's to your advantage that I go and that my spirit comes. So what does that look like? What does that mean? And that's what we want to explore together. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we recognize your presence with us this morning. We want to honor you for who you are amongst us and in us. We thank you that Jesus said he would build his church. And that we are being built together as the dwelling place of God. You are amongst us. So we ask you, Holy Spirit, come do all you want to do this morning. Come lead us. Come provoke gifts in your body. Come bring wisdom and understanding and knowledge. Cause some to prophesy some to express generosity, some to express hospitality, some to express the fruit of your spirit. Holy Spirit, come. This is your church. We are yours. Amen. It was interesting, if you watched in the news a few weeks ago, that Emma Raducanu chose to drop her coach after winning... The, uh, the US Open, and basically took up another one. And the principle was that actually she needed a coach who was, has the experience to operate at a global level and at the level of competition that was going on. 
she recognized there was a shortfall between where her coach could take her and where she needed to get to and what that looked like. I don't know how many of you have ever been coached in life. You've had teachers, I'm sure. You might have had mentors or trainers in the workplace. But a coach, that intimate relationship between the coach and the sports person is a close analogy to the work of the Holy Spirit in us. It's one where lives are lived interlinked, absolutely. You become family. You accept the instruction, even if you're not sure, and you follow their lead. And that's a risk and a step of faith and trust. It's not an easy one. For the sports person, when the coach says, you need to change this attribute of your motion in bowling or your serve. They have to trust that actually as they work it out on a week-by-week basis, that that tweak is what's needed to win. They can't ignore it and go, do you know what? Nice, but actually I prefer doing it like this. There's no point in having a coach, is there? There's no point of having that relationship with somebody where you're allowing them into your inner world to moderate and modify exactly what you do and how you go about it. And this is the place of the Holy Spirit in us, in the church. But that requires permission. That requires us saying, I want you to lead me and I will be led. And that's the challenging one. But as Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so in the same way he talks about the Holy Spirit, who takes of the Father and takes of Jesus what is theirs and gives it to us. What we recognize is that he is very, very good. He has our best. He works all things for good for those that love him. He works it out through us and in us and though the journey can be difficult and the training hard he's making us like Jesus and so as we begin this series we want to explore who the ultimate life coach is in Holy Spirit we know stuff don't we in the church, we, we kind of know it. If we've grown up in the church, we know stuff. And there lies some of the tension between knowing something and believing something. Because believing is what actually modifies our behavior. Knowing something doesn't always. We can know things, but it's only until we believe them that they change and modify our behavior. What we see in the scriptures about Holy Spirit is that he is eternal. We see him in Genesis 1-2, hovering over the waters. We see him part of the creation story, part of everything that's about to be created. He's there. We see him referenced in Isaiah and in Corinthians as being the eternal spirit. He's not created. He is there in this beautiful, intricate relationship 
of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's everywhere. The psalmist writes, I can't, I can't rise on the wings of the dawn to the far side of the seas and escape your presence. I can't go down into the depths or the highest heights. I can't escape you. You're everywhere. And the Holy Spirit is all powerful. He's able to enact and achieve everything that he wants to. He is unlimited. And he knows everything. He is the source of our wisdom and our understanding. He's the root and the fountain of the prophetic life in the church. He's the root and the source as we explore out of the church to see his kingdom come and his will done on earth as it is in heaven. He's the root of those interactions, those coincidences that we experience in life. He is the source of all things. He's the author of the Old Testament. He's there in the New Testament, expressed in so many different ways, from the outpouring of the heart in the Psalms to the injunctions that are given to Israel through the prophets, through the communication of the Gospels and the capturing of every word that Jesus said that was wanted to be recorded and passed on through to the Pauline letters, the letters of the apostles, and then that revelatory book at the end of the Bible where Jesus is revealed as who he really is. Holy Spirit is in and through all of that. He's the one that comes and enables mere humanity to do what it was always designed to do and walk in partnership with God. He's the Old Testament anointer. He is the one of the Pentecost fire who falls on that early church and causes it to explode across the face of the earth. He's the one who enables us. He's the one who is present and effective when we are distant and exhausted. This is who Holy Spirit is, and I can't capture him. I can't say enough. I can't communicate strongly enough. I can't express who he is, because he is beyond me. Wildly beyond me. These are shallow end dipping of the toes in the great ocean of the universe, in who Holy Spirit actually is. The Bible describes Holy Spirit as having a mind, of having a will and feeling active in the church, active in the world, revealing what truth is, bringing light into the darkness. He teaches and he forms through giving gifts to the church and direct revelation. He enables the witness of the church and witnesses to the authenticity of the gospel And the validity of the name of Jesus by creating signs and wonders that correlate with the message, the good news of Christ. That we were separated from God, that God has dealt with our sin through his perfect son. And now in Christ we can come close to a most holy God whom otherwise we would never get near 
without being destroyed. His love overruled judgment. His mercy exceeded justice. And he took on the punishment for himself. And now we stand before God in a way that we couldn't without Christ. And so Holy Spirit witnesses to this very truth of the gospel. He not only affects the heart of the listener, he not only authors the gospels and the letters and communicates through the individual in the church, but he also creates signs and wonders so that people will see and believe. There's an interesting interplay there with Jesus and those around him. Because sometimes they say, give us a sign. And he says, no, because you're an unbelieving generation. And other times he says, don't just believe what I say, but believe on the basis of the things you've seen. And we're like, whoa, hang on, that's contradictory. No, no, no. It's because he understands the heart. He understands the listener. He understands who he's working with. And so as we work with Holy Spirit, we recognize that he knows us absolutely. There isn't a distinction between you and me and everybody else. He knows us equally. But in doing so, he will handle us differently at times. And so we can accept that. To one, he says, sell everything you've ever had and come follow me and you'll inherit the kingdom of God. To another, he says nothing about their wealth, but he talks to them about power or he talks to them about authority because that's what's going on in here. Jesus knows us absolutely. The spirit is the spirit of wisdom and knowledge and understanding. Numerous times he says that he's able to see, not with the eye nor the ear, but Jesus sees through the spirit, the manifold, sevenfold spirit of God. The reality is that Holy Spirit is a person and in that interaction with us, if we've given ourselves to Christ, as a video and David have done in expressing that today in baptism, we've given ourselves, his expectation is to come and dwell within. His expectation is to take residence in us and transform us into the likeness of Jesus. He wants the fruit of his presence to be expressed through us. He wants us to experience life in all its fullness. That's what Jesus said, didn't he? He said, I've come that you might experience life in all its fullness and that rivers of life might flow through you. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in you. So the Holy Spirit is present and dynamic. He has an expectation and God is jealous for the Spirit that he's put in you. He says, I have brought you into the kingdom of my son, from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And I want intimacy and relationship with you. I don't want you to be distant. I want you to be close. I have purchased you through my son. I've bought you at a price. You're not your own, you're mine. And I want you. And so he calls to us, the spirit in us cries, Abba, Father, We cry out for that intimacy because we know that we know in us that whatever is going on, whatever has formed us thus far in life, we're now at a point where we're invited in. But sometimes we just don't know what that looks like. How do I do this? 
I'm not quite sure. Where do I go with this? My mind's distracted. I go off in a thousand different directions. When I stop to try and pray, to read the word, I don't fully understand it. Well, this is where the church comes in. Because Holy Spirit gives gifts to the church so that together we might be the dwelling place of God. Together we might enable the transformation of the work of Holy Spirit in us and through us. God is a God of partnership. He's not a unilateralist. He doesn't go out on his own. I'm only doing it on my own. I'll make it happen to you. He says, I'm going to make it happen through you. And as I work out my kingdom plans through you, I will bless you and I will include you and you will be changed into the likeness of my son as we journey together. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. We can start to unpack and see why it is to our advantage the Holy Spirit came. We can see the invitation that he's offered to us as a community, as an individual. That now God is no longer far off, but he's close and he's proximate. He's in us and he invites us in. And in this relationship, the scriptures talk about how the fact of that relationship with Holy Spirit, he can be grieved, upset by our behavior and our actions. He can be lied to. And it's difficult. And we're like, oh my days, how do I handle this relationship? But sometimes when I take these scenarios in Scripture, I ask myself, okay, well, what's the opposite? What's the opposite of that? Do you know what it means? He can be delighted. He can be delighted in you. He can be communicated with. You know, we worship in spirit and truth, right? So when we come to worship, our whole lives are opened up. He knows everything. Absolutely everything. There isn't a thing he doesn't know. And so we come to worship, not with pretense, not just following along because it's what we do, right? No, we come. Here are my lords. I come to worship you. I come to adore you. You know me. And we'll look later on in this series of the work of the Holy Spirit in us in that dynamic journey of where we go and how we communicate with him and live life with him. See, Holy Spirit can be delighted in us. We communicate with him and he can be rightly honoured in our lives through how we live, how we act, how we stand on the edge of risk and faith and step out and do things with him, holding his hand. I'd like us to take an opportunity at this point to do a little bit of work in our relationship with Holy Spirit this morning. I'd like us to start off with the invitational aspect of what Holy Spirit is saying to us as a church. The scriptures tell us that it's to our advantage. It's what Jesus said. It's to our advantage that he left and Holy Spirit came. And all of us are in a different place in terms of what that relationship looks like and how close we feel to God and what stops us and what invites us in to that relationship. What we find difficult to approach God about 
and what we find easy. We're all in different places, and that's fine. As I said earlier, Holy Spirit knows how to treat each of us as individuals while still loving us all the same. So I'd like you just to take a couple of moments on your own, in private, just to talk with God and say to him, look, I recognize that you have come and it's more more advantageous that Holy Spirit is here than Jesus is physically on the earth somewhere on the planet. And I want you to reveal to me, Jesus, what that looks like for your spirit to be in me. I'll just leave you to do that for a moment or two. I just want to pray Romans 5, 5 over us as a community. And it says this. After looking through a raft of difficulties, we'll start in verse 3. Now let's start at the beginning. It's always a good place to start, isn't it? At the beginning. Romans 5, 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, that's a belief in who Jesus is, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, in difficulties, knowing that difficulty produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Let's just take a moment just to receive, just ask Holy Spirit again to receive that love of God and pour it into your hearts afresh. Holy Spirit, would you come and as Romans 5, 5 says, as Paul wrote to that church, would you come and pour into us the love of God? Pour into us your love. Cause us to be transformed by your love. Come break away disappointment. Come break away sorrow. Come break away what has malformed us, what has wrongly molded us through this world. And pour your love in. Pour your love into your children, Lord. 
for the glory of Jesus, for the glory of the Father, for your honour. Now, there might be one or two folk in the room who find that difficult. And if you do find that difficult, then it's an invitation. The difficulty itself is an invitation to pursue God. And so I'd encourage you to come speak with myself, with Peter, with others, your group leader, and just talk to them and say, I find it hard to receive the love of God. And we can explore that with you. It's a very important, fundamental part of being a child of God that we know the love of God in us.